Happened in the 90s uh... Battle Clash, it's more than a game, it's a breakthrough. Have you been inside all day? Only on the Super Nintendo Entertainment System. Now you're playing with superpower. Okay, so I, I want to address uh, uh, another snafu that we may have made uh, in a previous episode. And I, I hate talking about old shit, but uh, we talk about a decade, 20 plus years ago. So uh, we talked about Dream On when it debuted and the main guy, uh, Martin Tupper, that's the main character, is played by actual Brian Benben. Oh. Uh, yeah, Denny Dillon is an actress who was in uh, another horrible season of SNL. She, uh, Denny Dillon was in uh, the, the season uh, following the original cast leaving. She was in season six. Uh, it's also the cast that Charles Rocket was a part of, uh, where you know he did the infamous, uh, I wanna know who the fuck did it, uh, little hot take. Um, but yeah, Gilbert Godfrey was a part of that cast. And she was also in a, a sitcom called Women in Prison on Fox. It was one of the early episodes, one of the early sitcoms in the birth stages of Fox. Uh, it was basically a sitcom about women in prison. I mean, Orange is the New Black is out now, so I guess they were ahead of their time. Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, <clears throat> but that's Fox my fault, Steve, because I actually said that name. So that's on me. And I have another mistake that I'm calling out. I mean, again, it's on me. Um, you know, we put out clips of our show and uh, I'm usually very diligent when I edit to make sure that everything's good. Last week, um, I made a clip of our episode that was talking about us living on the wrong side of the tracks. But if you watch the clip, there's a bunch of audio um, snafus, if you will, that I didn't take out. So it's very confusing <laughs> right at the beginning. There's just rapid fire, uh, like audio hits that make absolutely no sense. That's me, I did not edit those out. I didn't realize they were there. And I just realized that they were still there this morning. So double fuck you to me for making all these mistakes. You lose! My my apologies, but we're, we're human, Steve. Oh, yeah, I, I noticed that, but I thought you were just trying to add a little spice. <clears throat> A little, a little bit of flavor. <laughs> I mean, honestly, rants. it did work. I mean, they were '90s sound bites, so I guess I should have said nothing and just let it ride. But I'm an honest guy, Steve. But the Denny Dillon, uh, Brian Benben thing, I couldn't let slide because we like to get our facts straight more so than Fox News, motherfucking fair and balanced. We're we're <laughs> fair and balanced. We set uh. the bar. You're right. So apologies. I'll stop just yeah, just yelling names out at random. I looked that show up. I'd never seen the show. I didn't bring it up. And then I started running my fucking mouth off, Steve. And, you know, it's a problem. So again, my apologies. This is not a reflection of Steve's preparedness. This is more of a reflection of my unpreparedness, which 
Um, I acknowledge. I'm not gonna let you sink in this shit by yourself, man. <laughs> I, you know, I I co-signed it. I went along with it because you know, I, like, hey, man, like you said, we're human. And but also, you know, Steve, I can I say this? I'm sorry to interrupt. No one ever saw the show, so nobody's gonna be like. No one's calling into the happened in the '90s hotline going, "Hey, uh, dream on, love the show." There's nobody saying that. The the people that we're talking about, they might be dead for all we know. Maybe not, but you know what? You're right. We're covering a. It's like we're two decades away from this shit. We can't be responsible. But I did see some clips of uh, Dream On, and I will say I. I regret not knowing about it as a youngster because I would have utilized all of that instead of a Sears catalog. Oh, yeah. It was before its time. Cutting edge, man. And, you know, I I would play dumb if if I was in presence of grown folks and that show came on. Oh, I didn't know. What? Oh, Oh, what? (laughs) Ground shaking ass. I had no idea. (laughs) Ground shaking ass. That's one of the greatest clips of all time, Steve. Man, I wanted to see what that mama looked like. I I, I like the way she sounds. Ground chicken ass. Yeah, ground chicken ass. I don't know what this shit is. <laughs> Something else I want to address. Fucking Hulu. I have noticed that they have this little label on some of my favorite shows. Uh, predominantly TJF variety. Expiring. Uh, expiring. How fucking dare you, Hulu? How, man, I swear, Doogie, Family Matters, Perfect Strangers? What about Balkies? They gotta have a home. Where do you what think they're Erica? gonna go? Are they gonna make like a, if I gotta pay for another fucking app, Steve, I'm gonna lose my, sh- I'm paying more for the apps than cable at this point. It's becoming ridiculous. Yeah, man. Hanging with Mr. Coopers? What the fuck? Hey, man, this is, we're in the fall season. This is a time for TV, Hulu. <laughs> This is the time, Z time. I mean, I'm scared for the quality of the show if we lose this, because I don't, where are we going to watch these shows, Steve? I got no place else to go. I don't, I've been noticing it. I've been hoping that it's like an aberration. You know, it's one of those things where you like pull the covers up and you hope the monster's gone. I hope the next time I check, that's just going to be gone and we're just going to continue to watch. Because they did that for The Office for a while, too, before they took it away. You know, maybe we'll get some extra time. But my sneaking suspicion is there's going to be some sort of ABC app. And we're going to be forced to get the ABC app that's only ABC shows, including all the shows that we're talking about, which is some bullshit. Well, if they do bring it to Disney Plus because you know Disney owns ABC, ESPN, Boys to Men, ABC, BBD. They could bring those shows there because I mean those shows are family friendly. There's no like, you know, out there like edgy like elements in any of those sitcoms. Perfect Strangers is safe, even Mr. Cooper, uh, you know, of course Family Matters, all of that shit. If they do that, I I, I might have to renew my Disney Plus, man, and sacrifice one of the others. Oh, I might. Man. I just am like pissed that I, because I saw this coming. I was like, they're going to just take the channels and make us pay for each channel now. Now that we don't get cable like we used to, that's what's going to happen. And I'm fucking, I, I hate Disney Plus unless I need it. Like the shows that are Disney Plus originals, like all those Marvel shows and Star Wars shows, I'm into yeah. that. But right. they're gone quick 
and then you're just left with you know i I like a good episode of chippendales rescue rangers or like one of them but i'm not watching i'm not binge watching those shows and i'm done with them unless we need to watch them for this show so if i guess i never thought that that would be the place to put like tgif would be disney plus because i mean that is what they own but um, again my sneaking suspicion is they're going to figure a way to make you pay for these shows specifically and create another like Nickelodeon gas type thing that's just old school TGIF and that's what the app is. I hope they don't do that, but people are getting fucking greedy, Steve. I hope so. Yeah, man. I'm sick of it. Can I get a free can I can I watch something without getting gouged? And everything's less quality. I was like, okay, HBO Max, I'll get to watch hard knocks and shit like that too. Hard knocks sucks a D. Everything's less good now. There's too much. Is it because it's the Cowboys, Matt, this it's year? It's not. Because I okay. like... They were just on Hard Knocks. And I liked it the last time they were on. But now, the, the fucking uh, formula for Hard Knocks is so cemented in that you get no variation. It's like you can watch episode one of this season and the last season. And it's... The only thing different is the team. They're saying the same things. The coaches are yeah. acting the same. And it's just, you know, I don't want to see the Steelers on it. And I, but I'm just saying, like, TV in general, unless it's these new multi billion dollar shows, like Marvel shows, I don't know. There's just, I don't like a lot of the new shit. I sound like an old man, Steve. Back in my day, I'm old and I'm not happy. And the shit with the Nickelodeon, they're not even giving you, like, the full, the full Monty, man. You're getting like n- nitpicks. Here, here's editors' picks. Like, no, motherfucker, fuck them editors, fuck them picks. I want the whole season. Go get me my chips with dick. Or they're they're censoring the shit they put, like uh, WWE. Like as far as you've been telling me, they're taking shit out of episodes. It's like. Are we acting like it didn't? It was on TV, guys. Like you can't just watch some old shit and just not overreact to it. For real, man. Like the, I, I can't see Jake the Snake pull out a fucking cobra at, at Macho Man's reunion. That's I, a, I, I and that's a huge thing. Think of, that's like the biggest part of that episode, of what the pay per view or whatever. And we didn't even get to watch that. People are now some kids going to be like, "What's what's? Why are they all mad at each other?" What you know? Uh, what's going to happen when uh, Undertaker throws mankind off the cell? Are you just going to do a little quick clip of Punky Brewster and then come back and the man's just laying on the table? It's just like that yeah. SNL cut when Martin went on his monologue. It's like at this point yeah. in the show, mankind plummeted into some table. <laughs> just a description like, and some still images and shit. I, I can't watch the uh, Yakuza gang chop up Val Venus, uh, Wang. Like that. I that, forgot <laughs> about that. Holy fuck. Now yeah, you're not going to see that. Your pee pee. <laughs> you're not going to see that. That's gone. That's a race from reality, Steve. They probably don't even have the whole episode. <laughs> the episode at all. They probably just. Oh, Thanos. It's called Me Day. My mom says he looks like my daddy's boss. 
It's the day when everyone in Mrs. Meyer's first grade brings something from home. My daddy cut it for me. And shares it with the rest of the class. Jack, you want to come on up? On this Tuesday morning, Jack Moore brought something different. This is my dad. His name is Jack, like me. Last Saturday, we built a doghouse. Maybe someday I'll get a dog. Every Saturday morning, we let Mom sleep and we go to McDonald's together. That's where we tell each other things we never tell anybody else. At McDonald's, we never planned on being part of Jack Moore's Me Day, but we're glad we were. This is my dad. He's my best friend. Well, hey, boys and girls, this is Steve G and Matt G. We're happening in the 90s, a show where we talk about things that happened in the 90s. So get out your hammer pants and your Hideo Nomo jerseys, because Doogie's got a gun. It only just begun. What did his daddy do? What did Vinny do? You got a Oh, we're going to hear a lot of that today. Gone away, gone away, gone away. Yeah, 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 yeah. Now, we don't really talk much about Aerosmith because we don't give that much of a fuck about Aerosmith. But uh, they, they've had some bangers. Dream on. They did the shit with Run DMC. And I remember they had the performance with Run DMC and Kid Rock uh, at a time when I thought Kid Rock was cool. I'm guilty. Uh, and, but Steve Tyler, despite being a Steve, he kind of looks like the crazy cat lady from The Simpsons now. I don't know if you've seen him recently, but yeah, man. He looks like that that he's mid transformation. You remember uh, Black Hole Sun, the video? Yeah. When the people's faces are like melting back, he's like yeah. halfway into that. I, I mean, some DSLs on this guy, but you know, it is what it Always. is. You know, yeah, man. But I also will say, uh, just from a, like a adolescent point of view, I appreciated the song "Crazy" more so for the hot video with uh, Liv, Tyler, Liv Tyler, and uh, his daughter, and the chick from Clueless. I forget her name at this moment. Alicia Silverstone. So hot. So I wish I was that gas station attendant. You know, just let me see those pics. Yeah, Wasn't she Poison Ivy or or was that Uma Thurman? Or am I getting mixed up? She Uma was Thurman was uh, Poison Ivy. Liv Tyler was in Lord of the Rings. No, Alicia Silverstone. She was in Oh, Alicia Silverstone was Batgirl. That's crazy. Bat- that, uh, no pun intended. That's crazy. Yeah, she was in that. She was in Batman for sure. I that's forgot about that. crazy. Yeah, man. Live, uh, or, uh, I mean, Alicia Silverstone. There's one. She got through. She, she snuck through. You know, I don't, I don't think uh, Alicia Silverstone's going to win any acting awards. No offense. I mean, I, I think she might still be hot, though. I, I wouldn't know. I mean, she was hot and clueless. I mean, I Fuck yeah. all the ladies in that were hot. What's that one? Yeah. Stacy Dash? Is that her name? She's yeah. She's mm. still fine. Even even in like when she was doing the Fox News shit. Uh, you know, I was like, damn. She's why did what a waste of fucking hot. Like that's so like you're saying these words on that fucking show. Like oh my god. Like 
It takes what a nightmare though. Imagine going like getting a date with Stacy Dash before you knew all that personal shit, and then she starts spouting off at the mouth like that. It's like, are you serious? I'm not gonna be able to go. Like, I'm not gonna be able to date this person. Yeah, Dame. Steve, let me ask you this. Yeah. Would you put up with it? Fuck no. Okay. No, I'm I'm 38, man, and like I I I don't put up with. This is Stacy Dash, man. I wouldn't put up with a, a a hot chick from fucking uh, Luby's who she worked at a fucking buffet or something like. So I, I don't care, man. <laughs> it, it, like if I, if I'm not gonna put up with it, Stacy Dash and like you know quintessential '90s hottie, uh, I'm definitely not gonna put up with a, a regular schmegular. I don't give a fuck what you do. No, man. Like mm. I have to respect me. I have to love me first. I mean, get a. We need to get that page going with you as like the love doctor, Steve. I these like quotables you have are just. You're the next self help guru. I'm telling you, we got to get this going. <laughs> Watch out now. <laughs> <laughs> what was your Think Steve like Harvey impression? <laughs> what was your Steve Harvey? Think like a man, act like a bitch. Hold <laughs> <Hold> up now. <laughs> I'm from Cleveland now. <laughs> I'm from Cleveland now. <laughs> What the hell you say? You know, I, I'm, I'm, I don't want to steal shine from Godfrey. I, I got to give it to him because his his Steve Harvey is impeccable. He has Godfrey is like a slept on comedian. Also, he has a lot of good impersonations, but he's funny yes. as fuck. And that dude, when you hear him talk on podcasts, fucking like hyper intelligent. He seems like he should be like a college yeah. professor. Yeah, he went to uh, University of Illinois. He's from Chicago, and uh, he's actually he was actually on the team. He played football, so like that's why you still see him. Like he still gets it in, man. He's yeah. solid, man. That motherfucker, uh, you know him and that guy. There's another guy that's like a quietly yoked comedian. He was on SNL. He does all the impersonations. The he's not. I don't think he's on it anymore. Jay Farrow. That guy, dude. That guy. Yeah. I remember seeing like. Something in LA he did. I think it was even a live show, and the dude like flexed on stage, which is, sounds yeah. weird. But I was just like, Jesus fucking Christ! Is this guy gonna be in a Marvel movie? Did he get like the Kumal Nanjiani drugs to yoke up? Or dude, I, I met him in Houston. Man, he had a show at the Improv. I, I didn't go there, but I was at the barbecue spot that him and his crew went to afterwards. Oh, that's and what's up. I, I, yeah, I, I totally didn't know that ha was going to happen, man. It was like, oh, shit. I had never, you know, I'm an SNL fanatic. Oh, yeah. And I was like, oh, man. I, like, I was actually on a date, and my my focus quickly shifted to, before I leave this place, I got to meet Jay Farrow. And, you know, I, I rolled up to him, and I was like, hey, man, I don't want to take up too much of your time. But, like, man, I hate that you left SNL, but I get it. We didn't have too many representations on uh, on that show. Yeah. Uh, and then I, what essentially happened, I did take up a lot of his time because I heard one of his dudes in the background. I was like, man, you thought you said you weren't going to take up time. Like, shit. <laughs> All right, it's cool to meet you, man. But he was cool the whole time. It's like, yeah, man, you know. And I, I had said some things that I pro like, he probably he wanted to try to be short on words because I mentioned I had to say Fred Armisen I was like man they keep bringing back this hack because I think he was a, a, a guest host he was the host uh recently for that season it's like man they brought him back and he's going to be the new Obama you are way better Obama and he was just like oh you know man <laughs> you know yeah right you recording this like oh shit right. but right, right, right. Cool. I mean he seems so hella approachable though he doesn't seem like a prick so that's cool 
that's hilarious. You heard that guy like, man, come on, man. Yeah, man. It was uh, one second. Uh, yeah, and, and I, I did start to take up some time because, like, it. it that's I was why going, I, I don't approach anybody who I idolize because I can't. I just wouldn't be able to not do that. I, I, my ideal seeing a celebrity moment would be like, hey, yeah. like one of those, like an acknowledgement. I don't want to like actually walk up to somebody because it never goes like to me. It just never goes well. <laughs> but that's cool. He was awesome. I mean, that guy's funny as fuck. And I saw him. Like I said, we they have these shows out here. Uh, that they do it's like in a, they actually do them in like in a movie theater in Hollywood like right by it's that man's Chinese mm. but they'll do like it's a black show and they'll have like some you know pretty like mid-level comedians who you may never heard of but then like that night Mike Epps showed up Jay mm. Farrow showed up mm. and there was somebody else who showed up and I just can't oh um D-Ray was there oh shit <clears throat> so it was just like random you do you get like you see what's on like the actual bill and you're like i don't know like yeah. we went for free but then like those guys showed up and they were all fucking i mean d-ray's fucking insane bro yeah dude well <laughs> this one guy i just this is real quick but like there was a guy who fat as shit that they put in the front it was in a movie theater so like the front row was the front row of a movie theater and then the stage was like you know where it would be where the movie screen is and this fat guy was yeah. just getting shredded by everybody on the bill because he had like all these like really nice clothes on, but he was fat as shit. And as soon as D-Ray came, the guy got up to leave and D-Ray was like, no, you see your fat ass down real quick and made this guy sit down, dude, so he could fry his ass. It was oh, wow. so fucking funny. Oh my God, man. Oh. You know, you. And let me guess, he had on like bright colors that made him stand out even more, kind of like Kool-Aid Man. I was like, I from what I remember, it was like a pinstripe suit because everybody was like, "Oh, you trying to use vertical lines, man?" Like, cause this dude looked like a jail cell that just fucking like got <laughs> melted in the middle. It was wild, dude. But D, I just remember that because D Ray came out and he saw the guy like get up and leave. He was like, "You sit the fuck." <laughs> it was yeah. so crazy. Those Chicago comedians, I tell you, man, a special breed. But today we're going to be talking about all things October 7th. In 1990, Grim Natwick, American animator, dies. Uh, he was known for being an animator for Fleischer Studios and most infamously the creator of Betty Boop. Uh, he died of pneumonia and heart disease two months after celebrating his 100th birthday. Ah, man. 100. Look at that guy. Jesus. Hundo. That'd be why I always want because I had a grandma that made 102, like 104. What is that gotta be like? To see, think all the like what old, like somebody that age right now saw as like a human being. They saw like the Great Depression, all the world wars. And all this shit now, it's like they've lived in like the greatest movie of all time. Now the shit's boring, but man, I don't know. This guy, what kind of crazy yeah. shit was he drawing back in the day? <laughs> oh man, right. 
Well, you know, those old Fleischer fucking <laughs> animations and even those Looney Tunes, they have like little crude things, kind of like uh, uh, pre-Ren and Stimpy kind of deal, man. Who's the guy, Ralph Bakshi? He's he's like over the top with his crudeness. What was uh, that one called? Felix the Cat, where it was all like Felix perverted shit. Exactly. Yeah, hell yeah. Like that vibe. I mean, as a kid, I love watching it because every once in a while I'd be like, oh, a titty. Exactly. I'll do some wild shit like that. That and what was the other one? The South Park spoof. Oh, Heavy Metal. Heavy Metal. That wasn't yep. Fleischer. I'm just, you know, I was just like an adult but cartoon. I, but. That is Ralph Bakshi, though, I believe. Oh, okay. I mean, yeah. it, it makes sense. It seemed like all of those were like sort of in the same vein, but yeah that's that's wild this guy created betty boop though i mean what a leg that's people are still fucking putting that shit on t-shirts now yeah she's a, a kind of had a resurgence i want to say maybe in the 90s or probably might have been earlier than that man but you know she's kind of a, a icon in a way now because you see women from time to time rocking that short hairdo a la uh, jada pickett in the early 90s uh, you know, low down, dirty shame, Jada. <laughs> <laughs> She's just like kind of like um, a sexual empowerment icon, like an image yeah. icon. You know, it's like she exactly. was one of the first female images. It was kind of like boop boop bee doo, like sexy. You know, I I didn't like what I just did, but you you get it. Well, hey, you never know who's watching. But in 1991, on October 7th, Blossom is airing the episode I'm with the band. Blossom is on a school band trip, and Nick fears Anthony is messing around. Crossover alert. Crossover alert. Do, 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 do. Don DeMarco. Um, so this was, a, I mean, brought back a lot of memories for me because we're dealing with band nerdum, which I was a band geek, and... Like we said, crossover, Steve. Who's going to show up in this episode? Who are we? Who, who is it? Is it? Hey, man, we just saw you a half hour ago on the episode Granny Gets Busy. Yeah, what the Oh, fuck? it's you, Willie from Philly. <laughs> Grand Orales. Will Smith himself shows, makes an appearance. I. At first, I was like, did they trick us? Because I didn't think he was going to show up for a while. But then, lo and behold, we get a crossover. We th this didn't happen a lot. Back in the day, if this happened, this was a huge fucking deal. A huge deal. Like, Urkel showed up on Full House. <gasps> oh, shit. What? What? Fuck. Everybody, shut the fuck up. <laughs> the world just stopped. Oh, my God. But did you catch in the very beginning, in the opening scene, a very familiar tune is played in this episode? Damn, son, where'd you find this? Dude, I did, dude. Our theme song is featured on this fucking episode, Steve. And I, I didn't know that it was that, that I had ripped it from an actual episode of television. I don't even remember where I got the song. Um, but hey, it's it's a very popular. Um, it, it, you're a genius, Matt. Like this is it was a popular thing when when used for such like even if it was used in a parody of a '90s show or something like that. It's been it's used. I feel in like uh, infomercials, maybe um, 
Yeah, and there's like songs that you hear a lot. Like It's Always Sunny does it too, where it's like a garage band standard that's just in the program as like commercial bumper song. And every, you hear it on everything. It's on an episode of this or that. But I was proud that... I was, I was like, holy fucking shit, is, are, is two videos playing while I'm watching this? You know, I, right. I kind of had it's- a freak out. I was like, what the fuck's going on? But uh, I guess I did some good research and it's just proof positive that this is the 90s podcast that everyone deserves, Steve. We do our research, people. So I don't want to hear it. <laughs> we set the bar. Uh, but... Again, the first thing I always have to point out about Blossom is the theme song and all of the white girl dances that she knocks out in the intro of this show. I mean, every one of them. It's like every Carlton dance that he does, Blossom does. So The Carlton dance, the Cabbage Patch. I think she even did some Betty Boop shit in this little (laughs) intro. There's a running man in there. There might be a sprinkler in there. You know, she's getting it. But I love the intro and... I just love the statement in my opinionation. I just wish I could in use my it. Opinionation. <laughs> is it Randy Newman? I, I, it, it sounds should, like, it, like him. Is it him? I don't know. No, I don't think it is. Let me tell you about a story about a man named Woody. He really is a doll. Let me tell you about Look at Randy. The family guy when they spoof him is so good. But I mean, who doesn't like a nice Randy Newman? And this is proof positive. If it is him, I wouldn't be surprised. But the Blossom theme song, I mean, it's in the top, it's gotta be in the upper echelon. I don't know, I'm not gonna say top 10. There's a lot out there, but just the use of my opinionation. Again, I'm gonna try to do it, Steve. The next time that we, we see each other, I'm gonna use it as much as I possibly can. I'm bringing it back to the lexicon. Know- and then you know what will happen when you do that? You're- the sun is going to show it. <laughs> now, in the opening scene, everyone's in the living room and Blossom and Sticks are packing their lives into a bag for this marching band trip. Uh, you know, typical, uh, you know, I hope this doesn't sound too misogynistic. But like I'm very familiar with this. You could be packing for one day, you know, from just from my experience with the girls I dated in the past. And it's like, why are you this this is like five different wardrobes? Why we're here for two days? It's every option, Steve. Because I say the same thing to Kendra. I'm like, we're going someplace for the weekend. Why are you packing the biggest suitcase we have? And it's like, well, what if it rains? What if it gets cold? It's like, what? She does well melissa alter knocks on the door and she's the senior chaperone and i think she makes somewhat of a good impression on the dad uh, you know appearance wise and uh joey whoa he's smitten immediately and he, he tries to bark after and uh you know he she shoots him down yeah in the show but in real life joey got in there whoa whoa and, uh, you know, this is after he meets the whole bus of band geeks and, oh, I hope I don't get any doofus dust on me. <laughs> a, uh, nobody uses that term anymore. That's such a 90s antiquated thing. Doofus and dweeb. Yeah, that's like cowabunga, like that kind of thing. It's out. But doofus, 
you'd probably see here's how it's too sensitive now if you called somebody doofus they'd be like um that's insensitive um that was a term for retarded people and i can't even say that so that's a term for mentally handicapped people so doofus though i i love that term we're dealing like we're bringing a lot of stuff back steve i think that's the other thing we need to keep in mind here we're gonna bring back opinionation doofus dweeb i can do without yeah dweeb i never liked dweeb Dweeb. i feel like dweeb hit its peak in the 80s i feel dweeb is like i picture um Ferguson from Clarissa Explains It All. That's a dweeb. That's the dictionary definition, but again, whatever. But Joey's out here. He's trying to get his dick sucked. He's going on, he's going on the bus, and the bus is right outside? Yeah. That's, I was like, what the fuck kind of trip? Are they just like pulling up is to this, each house and shit? Like, Is this Baptist okay. church? What the fuck? Yeah, right? They're going on their mission trip, Steve, to fucking... Hell on Earth, San Francisco. Something else I want to know, uh, add on is uh, Grandpa Russo. He's a new addition to the cast. We're in season two of Blossom now, and uh, he serves a particular purpose. Uh, Blossom has been considered one of the most uh, very special episode-ish kind of sitcoms. And it's too kitschy. Let's talk about her feelings and emotions. And here comes Grandpa who kind of sounds like Grandpa Pickles from the Rugrats. Uh, and, you know, I, I vaguely remember him. When I saw this episode, I was like, oh, I totally forgot about his character. I didn't uh, remember but, the character, but I remember the guy. I've seen the guy on a bunch of shit. He's like the old right. man, like the shitty old man in a lot of things. But I didn't and remember a, that this character existed. Yeah, and he's here to poke a hole in all that Care Bear bullshit. So shout out to Grandpa. Uh, you know, now... They make it to the hotel room, Blossom and Six, and they're just swooning over the fact that Fresh Prince himself just might be in the same hotel they're staying. So they bust into uh, the Fresh Prince theme song or their best rendition of it. And, uh, you know, I, you, you, I, I think I give it uh, four, at least four stars. You know, they were on beat. They, they replicated the beat. And, uh, you know. Now, this is a story all about. I'll give Blossom it a golf six. clap, Steve. I'll give it a golf, golf clap. clap. Yeah. For some young Nothing. white chicks, they killed it because it could have been Nothing. a disaster. Nothing less than modest. Uh, and they, they order Cheerios and milk, uh, you know, all served in a, in a silver platter uh, with it looks like the roadie of Motley Crue. And, uh, you know, he's very just smug. Yeah, what if you get you getting some Cheerios and milk? What are you guys yeah, broke? Get, huh? Yeah. And this is also a couple of notes. This room that they're in, uh, they're at, they're at like the Four Seasons in San Francisco. I can only imagine how much this school is paying for the hotel bill. And then they start or, they order their cereal room service, which that's just trash, ladies. I mean, you're ordering cereal for room service. That's trash. That's questionable. But then this guy comes up that looks like he's in like a cover band for Pearl Jam. And he's like suggesting, hey, guys, fucking charge it to the room. Get whatever you want. Get a get a fucking steak dinner and charge it to the room. Everyone else is. Fuck the money. Somebody else is going to pay for this. So now these chicks are ordering. They're doing like a Kevin McAllister. They're ordering it all. Steak, eggs, fries, a cake, some fucking whatever. 
Yeah, or a couple of sliders, whatever. Some fucking eggs Benedict. Who knows? And they're racking up the bill. But this guy's like, hey, just charge it to the room. So he, this is something that keeps going the rest of the episode. This fucking... I don't know how this, like, um, grungy uh, Seattle guy has made it to be a bellboy in San Francisco. And is do- like, is this something he does to get more tips? I guess, because I think he even says you can charge a tip to the room, too. So this guy's just trying to get some money, I think, basically. He's trying to get paid. That'll be some gratuity, please. Uh, now, but something else we forgot to mention. Uh, Anthony, as we know, he he's a former addict, and he's been trying to kick his habit throughout the course of this series. And Grandpa, Grandpa Russo, he feels something's going on. Because, you know, Andy or Anthony, he's been acting a little funny more so than usual lately. Tony's and, back uh, on the junk. Yeah. I've been around the block. I know a junkie when I see one. Your son's a junkie. This is the, the, the granddad's basically the shit starter of everything. Like, he's just there to be like, your kid's a fruitcake. Or like, he's he'll throw one of those <laughs> things around, you know? <laughs> I love it. Oh, it, but you're right. Tony's but, acting sus, dude. To use some new terminology, Tony's acting very sus. And yeah. maybe he did fall off the wagon. Yeah. Uh, and meanwhile, Blossom and Six, they're they're going crazy about these basic ass uh features of a hotel. They got a gym, a masseuse, and an indoor pool. Uh two of those three things you could get at any fucking holiday in guys, they, guys, hot water. There's hot water. Like, okay. There's fucking towels, ladies. Get used to it. Did you? Where have you gone before? Fucking hostels? Yeah, seriously. Half as I never been nowhere before. Uh, <laughs> but this is 91. And I guess at this time, an indoor pool, a gym, and a masseuse, that's like, oh my. And but then they start, they're like, oh, the mini bar. It's like, ladies, you. how are you this fucking, you don't know from going anywhere that that shit costs money. You're that dim. Because when I went on any vacation and as a fat kid tried to touch any of that shit, I was immediately been like, get your fat hand off of that. It's like $20 for a pack of M&Ms, for God's sake. For real. But and then we come back I, to the At the, the same house. time, Joey. Oh, Joey. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, well, Joey, Joey wants a tattoo. <laughs> but go ahead. Well, I was going to say, we cut back to the house and Joey is with his dad. And... Uh, He's like, hey, man, check out this new uh, tattoo design I got, which is weird anyway. Who takes their fucking tattoo designs as a kid to their parents? But whatever. And turns out Joey's in the market for a tattoo. And it's not a tattoo that's going to go on his arm or his chest or something. This is a butt tattoo, Steve. A butt tattoo. (laughs) What kind of tattoo is it? Is it like a Star Trek tattoo? I don't, I didn't. Which one of these do you like better? The bulldog or the screaming eagle? <laughs> all I wrote was butt tattoo. And I think that's really all you need to know. Joey's that kind of guy where he's about to get a yeah. tattoo on his ass. Um, and his dad's not having it. But here's the thing, Steve. Granddaddy shit starters there. And Granddaddy Russo's like, I think it's kind of funny that a guy with an earring is going to tell his kid he can't get a tattoo because both of them seem fruity as shit. I mean, that's essentially what this guy said. And the dad's like, hey, man, yeah. this is my kid. What? Watch your mouth. <laughs> and the granddad's like, yeah, whatever I, with you fucking mm, vagabools. 
I think uh, Grandpa Russo would be canceled in today's culture. <laughs> Grandpa Russo is, would not be on the show in today's <laughs> He wouldn't be saying these things. But that, you know, Joey wants to get an ass tattoo. And Steve, would you ever do this? I'm questioning Joey's sanity at this point because the idea of getting an ass tattoo is just like, what's wrong with this kid? All, any tattoo that I get on my body, it has to be important. And Star Trek has never been that important to have anything Star Trek on my body. Uh, not even a goddamn t-shirt. And I like Spock, the character, for what he serves for the culture, pop culture. Uh, I like William Shatner. I think they're pretty cool dudes. R.I.P. Leonard Nimoy. But a I'm not brand? getting anything on my butt. No. <clears throat> yeah, anything on the butt, no. Uh I don't. I mean, I don't know why I care because I'd never see it. But it seems weird. But anything that's a brand, it's like, come on, dude, get whoa on your butt. That'd be a great butt tattoo, actually. There you go. And um, meanwhile, uh, six and Blossom are uh, making mixers, and they're they're mixing. Uh, I don't know Merlot with goddamn vodka with motherfucking Cavassier. Uh, it's they like a mini bar suicide that you would do at like 7-Eleven. It's just like, hey, what's in here? Okay. They, I mean, they would be getting fucked up if they actually drank this shit. <laughs> yeah, because they, they, they ain't even ate shit. They're, they're making all kinds of rookie mistakes. All they're going off of is some Honey Nut Cheerios and milk, and then they're going to follow that up with some liquor. Mixed liquor. You don't mix liquor, and you don't drink on an empty stomach. But Blossom's like, they mix the suicide drink. They're basically doing chem like chemistry experiments with liquor on this table. But Blossom's like, I'm not going to drink that because I don't want to turn out like my alky brother. Um, I don't want to go to that life. But Six, who I said is a party animal, is like, I'll still send this. And she takes a swig of that poison, and but she spits it out. So they're, you know, yeah. are they party yeah. animals? No, but at least they tried. Yeah, y'all ain't about no. that life. And eventually they go back into the the hall and they go into the elevator talking about, man, we got to catch Fresh Prince. We need to see Fresh Prince. And they get on the elevator. As soon as the elevator closes, it's none other than Will Smith, the Fresh Prince himself, walking into the parents, walking into the scene. And, uh, you know, to a loud clap, as you should. Um, it's, it's him. It's, this is like... This is like a unicorn walking in the scene that nobody expected. You know, I, I like I said, you don't. They just kind of mention him, so I was like, is this going to be like a Maris on Frasier where you just think he's in this show and he never shows yeah. up or he shows up real quick at the end? But he's at the elevator. He's in San Fran. The Fresh Prince is in town, but they're just it's like ships in the in the night, Steve. They're they're crossing paths, but they're not quite meeting each other. So. Um, Six and Blossom leave their room, <clears throat> go downstairs. They miss Will Smith. They also miss the shit ton of room service that they've just ordered. They never yeah. got all that shit. So that's still on the way, but they they might miss that. I think at least ten to $15,000 worth of dinners and desserts that they've ordered. Um, and then we cut later on, we, we flash forward. And now Six is fucking dropping water balloons out of a pot. Like, are you, you're going to get kicked out of the fucking room, girl. What yeah, are you doing? They're, still, they're, they're like still kids, but they want to be grown. Because shortly after she's throwing water balloons out the window, Blossom is jumping on the bed asking Six as if, if she's taking the pill already. Uh? 
The pill? Wait, what pill? Oh, Z pill? Oh, man, what? You saying that while jumping on the bed? Y'all talking about the sex? Yeah, this, this is where it starts veering into a weird, it's kind of confusing. So they, they're kids, they're jumping on beds, but now they're talking about the pill, uh, getting breast implants to conform to society norms of what a woman's body needs to look like and how they don't want to do that. I was like, what, what happened? Did I miss part of this episode? Just <laughs> Did the Fresh ago, Prince like little... sexually harass them and now they're like, wait, like what's going on in my life? Just five minutes ago, this girl was throwing water balloons out the window. Now y'all talking about Z-sex? <laughs> I mean, it's getting real adult, Steve, and as it should. This is a band getaway trip, so they, I mean, they should be partying. But no, they're they're talking about societal norms and and whatnot. So at least they're keeping it civil, I guess. Um, we cut we cut back to the Russo household, and Anthony is seen putting out a cigarette before he goes into the house. And you know, he walks by his dad sitting on the couch, and you know, he's acting funny style. He's trying to make it to the kitchen and he stopped by his dad and he's kind of asking him in a way like, man, what the fuck is going on? Um, you know, now clearly, I don't know, uh, Mr. Russo has a poor sense of smell because anyone who just smoked a cigarette and they walk by you, you're going to smell that shit from 10 feet away, uh, especially if oh, it's yeah. like. Yeah, if you're in an unscented uh, environment uh, or, you know, just a, a basic a stable living room you're used to that smell and then someone comes in with a fresh uh, just smoked cigarette uh i just remember trying to hide because i would be like tony i mean i wasn't a fucking drug addict but i would have to walk into my house and like hide cigarette or hide cigarette smell when i was in high school or even like when i was in college i didn't want my parents to know i smoked i don't know why but yeah. um the yeah the audacity cigarette smokers have that are trying to hide it to think that you can mask even if you put cologne on if you do anything put a mint in put cologne on you're still gonna smell like the fucking cigarette so he's not doing a great job hiding he's acting shady and his dad's like come on dude what the fuck's up man are you are you yeah. booting up is it are we back here again and tony's like i am i'm hiding something dad I'm hiding the cigarettes, which it's not what everybody like the dad's like, oh, thank God you're only addicted to smokes, which I would be, too, if the kid was booting up. I don't like what was Tony's thing back in the day? Was it drugs? Was it alcohol? I don't remember. I, they don't really touch. I think it was a little bit of both, man. He was out here. He was, he was out the here party animal. It was like, take yeah. whatever I can get type guy. OK, so like. Yeah. But Tony's like, man, I know it's not a big deal, but all this hiding and like trying to hide shit from you and lying to you makes me feel like the same person I was when I was an addict and I was trying to hide that, like the drugs and stuff from you. So I appreciate you don't, you're not mad at me, but I'm mad at myself. Tony's very mature. Yeah. You know, he's got a bad, he's got a bad, uh, name i guess in the family but the guy seems to be the most well put together person in the house honestly the most honest person at least yeah and but i i don't like the fact that the dad was more pleased with him smoking cigarettes than pot it's like damn it 1991 Stop i didn't even politics. clock that they talked about pot in that because that 
there's a there's a modern day change that they're definitely gonna have. But yeah, that's kind of whack. And the dad's a fucking musician. You tell me you ain't fucking smoking some fucking jazz cigarettes, you know, in the back, bud. Well, at Anthony, he admitted that he was smoking, and then Pops is like, like, well, oh, you know, with the lead to blah 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 and he's like no cigarette so it's like yeah like you thought he was smoking weed uh that's what i'm saying mr russo is a, a pianist he's a musician so you like of all the people in that house he's the one where i would assume is smoking pot well him and joey joey seems like a guy that's on like every edible he's acting that high all the time so whoa 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 wow He's high on coochie juice. Whoa, seven condoms a day, all right. Now we we cut back to Six and Blossom in the motel, hotel, Holiday Inn, and we find out that they lose the band competition. Half the band was hung over. Someone put corn nuts in her trumpet, and Six put the Glockenspiel through the bass drum. Hey, oh, hey, hey, now. But <clears throat> what do they expect? Everybody, I guess, was out there just fucking killing mini bars and shit. Their chaperone, they see naked in a fountain outside. She's all fucked up. So as a band nerd, I'm jealous these guys got to have this kind of fun because the most Perrysburg got to do was do a lock-in at the high school, which, you know, I'm sure there was some finger fucking going on and shit, but Matt wasn't doing any of that. We were just hanging, band nerds hanging out playing Goldeneye and shit. So, um, I am jealous. The senior chaperone. Yeah. Go well, for it, Steve. I mean, they 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 were all losers, man. Well, don't be jealous. I would have rather play in sixty four and and at, Are actually you kidding win the me, competition. Though? If you could hang out with six, begin all fight faded in the room, though, Steve. I mean, you that's fuck a golden eye. I could get on golden eye whenever. If I could have had that shot and shoot that shot, Steve, I would have been all about that. And I'm telling you, the Perrysburg kids, like. The people I hung out with, there was a couple where I was like, we could probably party together. Michelle, Michelle, you know who you are. We could have party. We all, we were the party kids, not the party kids, but like there was a couple like nerdy nerds. There was, there was a guy a who was like a Mormon and stuff. But then there was like the kids who probably would have smoked pot if I was honest and told people in school I was doing that. I was afraid to tell people in school anything. Like you didn't know I was smoking pot. In high school, I, I don't think. I didn't. No, I, I think it wasn't until the end, man. Um, yeah, I, I didn't tell people any of that shit. So like these, like Blossom and Six, this is a cool fucking squad that they got, and uh, little jealous. But they, you know, they they lose the band competition. They're in the hotel, um, and what we've been talking about about all this room service, it's all coming to a head now because now they got a fucking rolodex of a bill, and they're like, how what yeah. this fuck what? I thought yeah, this was they, all free. They ran that tab up. And uh, Six is like, well, should I take back the robe? Because the robe, and Blossom's like, the fucking robe's a hundred bucks. Go take that back up to the room. So Six goes up to the room. Blossom sees Will Smith on the actual elevator, right? Yeah. And they're, they actually vibe. She says, oh shit, what's up? And Will gives her that hat that he's got on his head uh, behind you. And she gets yeah. off. And then we see her and Six in the lobby doing what we said, freaking out over the bill. And she's trying to tell Six like that she met Will Smith and nobody believes her. She's like, oh, okay, you met Will right. Smith. Okay, got it. She's like, look at this hat. 
where do you think I got this fucking cool blossom hat from? And she's like, oh, whatever, bitch. And then Will Smith comes and like crosses past and like they, she sees that she actually met Will Smith at the end, basically. And I know and- I fucked the timeline of this up, but. <laughs> Well, I mean, I, I looked at the reaction that, that Blossom and Six had when they saw him. And I'm not going to lie to you, Matt. My reaction would probably be the same. Ah! You know who you are? Oh, <laughs> yeah, that's a tough one. It's like there's some people you could meet, Steve, like a Jay Farrow, And you could contain that a little bit. But it's like if you meet Will Smith. I just wouldn't have the balls to even go up because I don't want to be that guy that's like, oh, you're that guy. You remember that thing yeah. you did? Remember that thing you did? I loved it. You know, I, I can't be that guy anymore, but I would freak the fuck out. And, and I must say that uh, that hat on Fresh Prince, it looked cool. On Blossom, it looked like Paddington the Bear. Hated it. Yeah, that's a that's one of those things. I, I got a bucket hat one time. Uh, just because I thought I would look cool in it. And I don't know if there's a white guy on earth that can pull off or a white person on earth that can pull off that look. I can't, but it's just not, I don't know. Be the, you, you tell me, Steve, I'm going to get a bucket hat and I'm going to show you what I look like. It's not good. I look like I'm going to go fishing someplace. Jesus. <laughs> and we do go back to the Russo house one more time and uh, Joey and grandpa come back smiling. And instantly, Mr. Russo was like, oh, you got the fucking tattoo, didn't you? You son of a bitch. But he didn't. He decided that he didn't need a tattoo. Uh, but he did get his ears pierced, like his daddy. And they have a, oh, do a warm embrace. And then Grandpa is like, oh, let me get the fuck out of here. You're probably going to drink international coffees and talk about your feelings and all that kind of fuck shit. Yeah. Yeah, he's, uh, Grandpa's going to get canceled. <laughs> My son's a freaking fruitcake. Fucking wearing earrings. You probably, you probably wanted to go to San Francisco too, huh? You little punk. (laughs) They cut that. That was a cut joke, Steve. That was one that went over the line that uh, got cut out of this episode. But shout out to Fresh Prince, and this is like a mega episode for us to watch. We get '90s crossover of two mega stars of the '90s. And now I'm thinking, is this where Blossom got her signature hat from? Because it's almost like the hat she wears in the intro, almost. Oh yeah, she got the leftovers. I mean, they probably shared uh, the dressing room. Couldn't have been too far. There was NBC (laughs) Studios and the shows were back to back in the 90s on Monday nights, so. That might be it, Steve. We just figured out that misconnection, but shout out to Blossom for just continuing to surprise i didn't remember i like liking the show that much but we i think we've watched two episodes now both have been killers no shout out to tony i'm sorry one other thing i just want to say tony keep living your life bro you're a good guy i like tony he's an honest guy he's uh he's no joey but they both serve a purpose like Joey becomes what Tony was at some point, I think. You know what I mean? At some point, Tony's trying to get Joey out of his bottom. He's like, come on, Joey, you can't keep doing this to yourself. All the pussy, all the pills, you gotta stop. Now, you know who probably watching wasn't watching this episode of Blossom, Matt? I, I don't know, Steve, who? Probably law professor Anita Hill because she accused Supreme Court nominee Clarence Thomas of making sexually inappropriate comments to her. Mm. 
I remember, wasn't there something regarding a pubic hair or something on a Coke can? Pubic hairs on the Coke can. That is correct indeed, good sir. That's, yeah. see, that's what history is now, Steve. If we are history teachers, these are the facts. We'd be like, in this day, Anita Hill found some pubic hairs on her Coke. <laughs> now, in, in 1991, President George H.W. Bush nominated Clarence Thomas, a pro-circuit judge, to succeed retiring Associate Supreme Court Justice Thurgood Marshall, because that's how you did it back then. You replace a black with another black. And Senate hearings on his confirmation were initially completed, with Thomas's good character being presented as a primary qualification for the high court, because he had only been a judge for slightly more than one year. There had been little organized opposition to Thomas's nomination, and his confirmation seemed assured, until the report of a private interview of Hill by the FBI was leaked to the press. The hearings were reopened and Hill was called to the public to testify. And she said in televised hearings that Thomas had sexually harassed her while he was her supervisor at the Department of Education and at EEOC. Uh, when questioned on why she followed Thomas to the second job after he had already allegedly harassed her, she said working in a reputable position within the civil rights field had been her ambition. The position was appealing enough to inhibit her from going back into private practice with her previous firm. She said that she only realized later in her life that the choice had represented poor judgment on her part and that by, at the time it appeared that the sexual overtures had ended. I just remember this being famous and uh, the pubic hair thing on the Coke can, which I don't remember the specifics of that. She was being sexually harassed. How did the pubic hairs on the Coke can thing come up? Uh, Thomas just sprinkling pubes on her, her drink, Steve. Yeah, I mean that—that's the story that that you know she presented, man. And they actually took a polygraph, and you know, for whatever reason, the polygraphs are inadmissible when it comes to court hearings. But uh, she, <laughs> like the results in the polygraph, it matched her testimony. Yeah, I mean, the polygraph thing, that is weird, but it is also people can game those things, too, you know, so it's not always accurate. But this seems one for somebody to get at like publicly. This was a huge thing. I mean, they were making fun of this on SNL. This was on news. And this yeah. is back when the Internet didn't exist. So everybody was watching the same shit and knowing about this. So for her to go out and say these things had to be hugely embarrassing for her. And it, but it's very fucking weird. Like, I don't remember all the details, but the guy became, I mean, he was on the Supreme Court. He got through this. And, he, and he's still here. He's yeah, still he's on a respected the guy. Court. I mean, now you never, like, I always heard about him, like, you know. <laughs> Depending on who you, you ask. Yeah, probably. But I'm just saying, like, yeah. I would hear current news, you know, recently about Clarence Thomas. And this, this would always pop up in the back of my head. Like, is that the same guy with the pubic hairs on the cocaine? So that clearly made an impact. I don't know the specifics, but what a wild fucking story. Yeah, man. That's not Something the way you want to become a Supreme Court judge, though. Like limp in after getting through some shit where everyone's like, this guy was sprinkling pubes on her Coke can. Well, he they, they said that he has the most narrow, the narrowest vote. Uh, in Supreme Court history. Uh, he did not take the polygraph test and he made a vehement and complete denial saying that he was being subjected to a high-tech lynching for uppity blacks by white liberals who were seeking to block a black conservative from taking a seat on the Supreme Court. And after an extensive debate, the United States Senate confirmed Thomas to the Supreme Court by a vote of 52 to 48. 
the narrowest margin actually since the 19th century. So it's not the narrowest of all time, but it's the narrowest in a long time. Yeah. Um, but I remember the the SNL skit that you're mentioning. I remember that more than the actual case itself. Itself, man. And Tim Meadows played uh, Clarence Thomas. Ellen Cleghorn played Anita Hill. Kevin Nealon plays Joe Biden. Uh, Phil Hartman, R.I.P., played Ted Kennedy. R.I.P. to Chris Farley, who played Hal Heflin. Uh, that shit was fucking hilarious. Dana Carvey plays Strom Thurmond. And Al Franken plays Paul Simon. Uh, and the fact that Al Franken is a part of this skit, that didn't age well because he went into politics and had some sexual harassment claims himself. Um, you know, Strom Thurmond, uh, that's that's a very good idea there. Senator Heflin. And then Chris Farley, he's like, oh, that's a very good porno movie. I, just, I prefer the soft cold porn. <laughs> I've now you're like describing it. I definitely remember this skit. Yeah. And Phil Hartman always, he was like the go to Kennedy also. I, oh, uh, yeah. putting a pubic hair uh, on a cocaine. <laughs> Fucking dude. I think you're tapping into your potential a lot throughout this show, man. Did you know you had that Kennedy in you? I just used to do it all the time because awesome. it was on The Simpsons. The mayor, like, would always, I, uh, you know, yeah. I, I am the hottest piece of ass in this here United States of America. <laughs> but this was, I mean, I just, this is a wild fucking story. I don't know how he got through into the Supreme Court off the tail of this. And I'm wondering where Anita Hill is now. Because how did this affect her after all this? Because I would assume she kind of got the Monica Lewinsky treatment where she was kind of banished to some kind of purgatory, uh, you know, for bringing light to this shit. Well, Anita Hill, she's still with us. Thank God she's uh, 65 and she is a university professor of social policy and law and women's studies at Brandeis University. And she's a faculty member of the university's Heller School for Social Policy and Management. Shout out to Anita Hill. <laughs> yeah, man. Electricity? Careful there. Ha! Or it'll toast your eyeballs. Now that following year, 1992, Doogie Hauser is airing the episode, Doogie Got a Gun. And after being held at gunpoint at his own doorstep, Doogie considers buying a gun and he is haunted by memories of shooting victims that he has treated in the past. Yeah, this was a very special episode, Steve, in a lot of ways. It tackles a tough issue about gun violence, but it's also just a fucking hilarious episode to watch, the tone of it. Because like you see here, it's like Dirty Harry with this little fucking nerdo. <laughs> so, yeah, man. <laughs> this one starts, <clears throat> another great theme song, boring, but I just, for some reason, it just sets off like memories of like when it would come on in syndication and shit. And uh, we're in Doogie's house. He's uh, having a sleepover with his buddy Vin, which is weird because he's a surgeon, but he's still having sleepovers because he's a kid. He's still a kid. And they're watching scary movies. Oh, no. They're Doogie's opened people up, Steve. He's opened up people with heart attacks, but King Kong in 3D, 
Uh, he's not affected, but Vinny is. That's that's this is like the discrepancy in kids here. Doogie's like an adult. Vinny's like a weird Guido child that's hanging out. But uh, there, he's go ahead. Sorry. He, he he's above the fray. I mean, he's too mature to get lured into some more simple entertainment. Uh, they're actually watching the movie Gorilla at Large, which is the oh. same name as Paula Deen's biopic. And they're they're, <laughs> they're they're watching Gorilla at Large wearing the 3D glasses, and all of a sudden there's a ring at the door. Yeah, which is strange. Everybody's like, you know, every nobody likes a ring at the door at night. So Vinny's like you know shook from watching this movie he's like don't answer it it could be a killer and doogie's still playing like you're such a child like there's no way it's, this doesn't happen vincent but like watch i'll prove it to you so you know they go up to the door and doogie's puts on his best like white housewife like who is it uh there's no answer and Vinny's like, dude, don't fucking answer the fucking door, dude. We're going to get killed. And uh, uh, Doogie's like, whatever, dude. He answers the door. And instead of just some nice person in the neighborhood, he's face to face with the barrel of a gun, Steve. He should have listened to Vinny. Man, you know, you got all them school smarts in the books and things, but you got no street smarts. You know, I'm surprised this didn't happen earlier because he was such a phenomenon and it was known around the town that, oh, my God, there's this wonder kid who's a teenager doctor. And, you know, obviously there's money in that. It's like the, a lot of devious people would be like, oh, where does he live? He's, he's yeah. got to be loaded. He doesn't have bills. Do you think he gets paid the same as an actual doctor at this hospital, Steve? He's one of the top-notch guys. Yeah, man, he knows his work. He's he's smart on the book end of the game. You know, he's got his numbers together. He knows his value. But, you know, when it comes to this shit in everyday life, man, he still got to learn. Don't open the door for strangers. They, they taught us that at D.A.R.E. Yeah, I mean, this is day one shit. This is kindergarten yeah. shit. You don't answer the door at night if you ain't if you're by yourself. I mean, he might be a surgeon, but he's still what? Like a 12, 14-year-old kid? I don't, I don't know what his age is at this point. Um, well, it's got to be, he's like 16, right? Something like that. 16, yeah. 17. Yeah. He's so, still a minor. I left out a little bit. So Doogie goes, who is it? And then the, the voice on the other end is, it's Gil Johnson. <laughs> and I'd be like, Gil Johnson? Who the fuck? I mean, we might be in trouble now because that's the fakest name I've ever heard. And uh, Gil Johnson yeah. needs help to Your call player. a tow truck. That's what it is. He's like, I need some help to call a tow truck, guys. Open the door. Doogie answers the door. Boom. Gun in the face, Steve. And me, I would have I would have melted. Uh, luckily, we cut, and they're alive. They didn't get shot to death by Gil Johnson. Uh, Doogie and Vinny are being interviewed by the police, and they've just been robbed. Yeah, um, they're they're making a police report and the officer is none other than Ron Canada. Not only does he have a country for a last name, but he also was the bad guy in Adventures in Babysitting, a cop on 227, a cop on Home Alone 2, a doctor on Amen, an agent on Cheers, a judge on Grace Under Fire, a judge on Frasier, and a coach on Hanging with Mr. Cooper. God damn. Ron Canada. He's a very authoritative guy, Steve. That's why he got typecast. And even he's, he's like, you open the fucking door? What are you guys fucking crazy? I'm a cop. I wouldn't have opened the door. It's the first thing he says. <laughs> yeah. You open the door? <clears throat> and um, 
there's a hottie like Charlie's Angel cop uh, in the mix too. Um, and she actually goes out and she finds Vinny's wallet in the lawn that the, the guy had just like dumped after he took whatever cash was in there. But she's like, there's no cash in here, but there's like a decade old condom that's been in the wallet so long, it's left like a fucking ring in the wallet. <laughs> and Vinny's like, hey, Come on, stop busting my balls, Charlie's Angel. What the fuck? Yeah. Want to go back in the bushes and I can use it on you, eh? Uh, give you uh, one of those, uh, one of those rod smacks, huh? Uh, and um, <clears throat> Doogie's like doing the doctor thing where he's like giving like medical level details to the arrest, the officer who's interviewing him. He's like, the man had an asphyxial ventricle he has like a medical diagnosis for how the guy was breathing heavy uh what he looked like he was six foot three and he was this he had a blonde hair and blah 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 um yeah. and the cops like all right um you motherfuckers are it's stupid as fuck um you know they leave and then we cut to doogie the next day and he keeps he's getting it from all ends everybody that hears this story is like dude you've opened the fucking door dude what are you doing? He's even the, the guy, the orderly at work says it. You know, there's some nurses, I think, that say it too. And uh, Dr. Canfield even, you know, yeah. he, he was sick of getting mugged because, I mean, he's a doctor. He's a prominent guy. And look at him. He's Dr. Canfield. He looks like a Dr. Canfield. Well, yeah, we, we're, we're going to follow this motherfucker to the ATM. He was getting mugged at the ATM at the mall, uh, you know, in his house. And he was just like, well, shit, I'm sick of being a punk ass bitch. So I got myself a pistol. He, he even hated to admit it. That's how much of a bitch he is. Well, I hate to admit this after getting punked around for so much. Uh, uh, I got a gun myself. Like, why do you hate to admit it? You should be like, man, fuck that shit. I got me a gat too. Yeah, I got a strap because I was getting like, how many times you get mugged though? God damn. Yeah. kind of fucking five city times. is it? <laughs> but he's like, look, if you got I got mugged and I had to get a strap. So Doogie, do what you got to fucking do, bruh. Get you a get your 16 year old fucking self a gun. <laughs> Which can he even legally get a fucking yeah. gun? He's got to have his uh, uh, Doc Coach K dad sign off on it. Yeah. So Dr. Canfield's like, well, the only way I can feel safe is if I got a 45 under my pillow. So do with that what you will, Doogie. And that starts turning some wheels in Doogie's head. And um, turns out, like, um, we, when we go back to uh, the house, Doogie's parents are now, like, in the midst of getting security systems. Uh, the guys, you know, all the bells and whistles and the security guy is even talking about getting a gun. <laughs> Everybody's like, yeah, a could, gun nut in this fucking town, dude. Like, I could sell you all this shit, but it's like, then what? Okay, the bells <laughs> went off. But like, let's say that he, he shoots you before the cops yeah, get there. The cops like, going to take 10 minutes, sir. So I suggest you get this safety plan in the form of a 5357 okay here you go yeah. yeah save your household coach k dad and uh kitchen curtain mom so he gives them like a card to like a gun store or something it's like some gun place and he's like if you need this here and the dad's like i'm not gonna i don't need this we don't need a gun he takes the card to be polite and puts it down and just like takes the guy away but doogie's like 
I'm going to take that card just in case. I might need to get me a gat real quick. So he takes the card and um, they actually, after that, they have to sort of go through an inventory with the parents of what was stolen. So Doogie's dad's like, well, I had this and I had like a movie set and I had this. And turns out a lot of the stuff that they're missing was actually just stolen by Vinny. Because this motherfucker's in there borrowing a lot of shit. Um, which I wouldn't appreciate. I wouldn't like, Vinny, get the fuck out of my house. <laughs> hey, I had to do a couple favors. Huh? I went to the pawn shop a couple times and hey, you know, Big Sal, he kept bugging me. Good news, bad news. Good news, half of this shit's in my house. Bad news, I might have broke some of the shit or busted a nut on some of the VHSs. My apologies. Let me go get it, Mr. Hauser. I'll be right back. Vinny, I don't know. At some point, I wonder if this friendship, you know, fractures at some point. Because Vinny, I think, becomes like the guy in um, The Departed that Leo gets like the the main, like the shitty cousin guy. I think at some point, Vinny becomes like the shitty wannabe uh, mobster of this town. You know, he's like doing coke deals and getting beat up a lot. Yeah. And uh, we, we cut to doogie now at the gun range and we see a familiar face it's mr art lafleur babe uh, ruth himself the babe <laughs> steve do you know why legends never die because they are strapped <laughs> yeah man <laughs> and you don't buy a gun because you're mad you buy a gun because you're smart you don't buy a gun to get into a gunfight. you buy it to be ready and he's ready. I mean, he's going through it all. He's like, he's giving Doogie the straight business on how to use a gun. He puts it in front of him. And right before Doogie sh- like does anything, he has this daydream about where it's like Doogie Hauser, Dirty Harry style. Yeah. Um, Dirty Harry finds a rally, even <laughs> equipped with the leather jacket. Yeah. So, the motherfucker. <laughs> I think we fucked up because. He does, does he go to the gun range before he gets his car stolen? Because that's the other thing, Steve. Doogie still is in the, he gets fucking robbed again because he's an idiot. The guy who fucking stole all of his other shit calls Doogie, but poses as like a old woman who found his wallet and says, I want to give it back to you. You seem like such a sweet boy. And when Doogie says, hey, I'll come get it. She's like, no, um, I don't trust people. So I need to meet you in a, in, a, in a safe spot. So they arrange for a meeting and they go and the waitress of the meat place is like, you know what, what you're saying you're doing actually happened to a friend of mine. And when they m- tried to meet with somebody, they got robbed again. That's weird. And all of a sudden Doogie's fucking car just takes off. So he right. gets robbed. So there goes this like cherry ass classic car that him and his dad redid. And now it's like, at this point, Doogie just wants to shoot a motherfucker. You know, he's like, now I do need a gun because I'm going to kill somebody. So he goes to the gun range. It's owned by Babe Ruth. And Babe Ruth is like, here's how you do it. You aim, you do all this. And while do like he gets the target set up and Doogie starts uh, shooting and he's actually pretty good but every time he pulls the trigger he has like a flash to this alternate reality or like gunshot victims that he's treated and yeah. clearly 
he's not going to be able to pull the trigger and like actually shoot somebody. He he does well, and then he puts the gun down. He's like, I I can't do this. I'm not gonna. I'm not. Gonna, I can't shoot anybody. I gotta go. Give me the fucking gun, Trey. <laughs> and uh, you know he tries like salute to him for actually going to the gun range, but the gun thing it's not his. And um, he shoot like I said, he shoots a couple times, and uh, then he's, he admits he can't do the gun thing. So he goes back to work. We cut back to work. Doogie's getting off a shift. And we didn't really cover this, but all this stuff is happening. And he's very much shook by the initial robbery. He's, you know, him and Vinny are both very scared. So he's having like these weird PTSD flashbacks and stuff. And he's getting off work and he goes to the elevator. And when the elevator doors open, he sees this guy and he's like, holy fuck, because he thinks he's about to get shot again. But it's a PTSD thing. And then this weird moment happens where, you know, he he's not in danger, but the, the this guy in the elevator like starts like motioning to him and he shoves a cigar in his mouth because this guy's a new dad. Right. But the guy looks sickly as fuck. He looked like COVID before COVID. Uh, gangrene in his pupils. Uh, like, don't put anything in my mouth. Don't touch me. Have you been quarantined, motherfucker? Like, Plus, he's you- not. He doesn't look like a man. Like, I wouldn't just jam a cigar into a kid's mouth. Like, <laughs> he looked like the Ray Liotta scene when he's busting his fucking face laughing on Goodfellas. Yeah. If you just, if you freeze framed it, and he like that's he that's how he looked. If he also he's like stung by bees and sweating maniacally. So yeah, yeah. it's it's very weird. Which is. You know, there's a reason why Doogie was a little hesitant, but then he realizes, like, holy fuck. Like, if I had a gun, I would have just shot that guy. Because it's like, I'm I'm having, like, this has caused, like, some issues with me. I got to fucking, you know, figure this out. So that actually makes him um, go to a PTSD, like, victims class, where it's almost, yeah. you know, like, victims sharing their stories. And we're, I think we're further on down, and he's sort of, just like this is like later on in the future like he's sort of over it now but we're seeing him like heal from this moment he's in this group uh and this ptsd group is helping him and Vinny get over this terrible ordeal that they went through yeah and uh we we end the episode with his his classic typewriter or computer uh journal and it says life teaches you that you have to be ready for anything but being ready for anything isn't more than being ready for the worst it's also being ready for the best i wanted it to go dear diary <laughs> the end <laughs> but but his dad also, before he does the Dear Diary thing, his dad comes into his room as he's about to start it. And he's like, hey, uh, they actually found the car. It got stripped. Um, but this is just an opportunity for us to build it again, son. So let's do it. Let's get on the road to recovery. So um, did I expect a gun uh, episode of Doogie Hauser MD? I don't know why I didn't, but to see Doogie Hauser looking like Dirty Harry, I mean, again... We were just blessed with some weird fucking episodes this week, Steve. Yes, we were, man. Uh, and hopefully we can do Doogie Hauser MD episodes later uh, in life. Uh, fucking Hulu. Uh, don't fucking pull out your ticket and then pull it back and say, what are you staring at? 
That's yeah. what you fucking did. We already have to fucking yell at Paramount Plus constantly for their fuck up. So Hulu, get your shit together. You're not going to take that shit off. Don't do it. You know who probably didn't watch this episode of Doogie Howser MD, young Matthew? No, Steve, who? Probably Mookie Betts, American baseball player who is a five-time All-Star, two-time World Series champion, AL MVP, MLB first team, second team, silver slugger, gold glove, all that hot shit. He sounds like a jazz musician, Mookie Betts. Uh, born Marcus Betts, uh, I'm, I'm assuming that was his uh, endearing term that his mother gave him, or, or the people around the way. Uh, and he now plays for the Los Angeles Dodgers. It's LA. time for Dodgers baseball. I, I mean, maybe I don't pay attention to baseball, Steve, but shout out Mookie Betts. Maybe I've crossed paths with the man. You were eight years old when that man was born, and now, like, that that's I think about that a lot, man. We were eight when motherfucker was born, and like he's like a World Series champion in a professional baseball league. And well, that's why I prefer <clears throat> why we talked about like football being less enjoyable. And I think part of that is me realizing that the people that I'm yelling at or rooting for are way younger than me, and it makes me sad. Yeah, you know, in a little way, but um, you know, I wasn't blessed with the athleticism of a Mookie Betts. Um, I was in the marching band like Blossom. So, you know, shout out. But uh, I don't know, man. I just, I don't even remember what my point was, but hey. It's life, man. And it's not <laughs> that's fair a, sometimes. Oh, that's what it was. I'm old. That's why I hate this shit. So not only am I forgetting what I'm talking about mid-sentence, but watching athletes like the Steelers suck uh, like they did last week and me yelling at these people who were in elementary school when I was in college just makes me feel a little bit shitty about everything, you know? So that's well, that was my point. I hate being old, basically. So there's my decrepit old man statement of the day, Steve. Ah! <laughs> in, on October 7th, 1994, Saved by the Bell was airing Wedding in Las Vegas get to see the gang together one last time before they do this horrible reboot 20 years later 20 plus uh yeah um it, they go to jail uh, the guys do and eventually they get out uh but the sheriff basically siphons about uh over a grand from the guys uh you know ac slater being the international player that he is <laughs> he's just running into honeys throughout this whole ordeal uh man there's a honey at the coffee shop i'm gonna go talk to her there's a honey at the altar i'm gonna go talk to her there's a honey in prison oh that's not a honey but <laughs> I don't remember yeah, that man. fucking episode, but I remember loving, wishing I was married to Kelly Kapowski. Man, look at her. Ay, ay, ay. But this was actually a 90-minute film aired on NBC uh, because it's Saved by the Bell. It's that special to the point where they have to have their own like made-for-TV movie. And uh, Gilbert Gottfried is actually in this too, man. He, he plays... Uh, Do you take Kelly to be a lawfully wedded wife? <laughs> but yeah, I'm assuming man. he wasn't the Reverend. It doesn't look like it, but I can't remember what he played. I believe it's available on Hulu, at least for now. But 
that follow or or on Peacock. I'm pretty sure it's on Peacock. But uh, that following year, Saturday Night Live is airing the episode with musical guest Lisa Loeb in Nine Stories and your host Chevy Chase. <laughs> Fucking punk Chevy ass Chevy Chase, Chase, dude! What a fucking fall from grace, dude! I used to love Chevy Chase. Fletch. Uh, there's another movie he did with. Uh, the, there's a guy. I think his name's Gregory Hines. It was like a black actor in the '80s. I forget his name. He was like one of the bigger actors, but it was called like yeah. Weapon, Weapon of the Century or something. Where like uh, Chevy Chase is like a gun runner of some kind, but it's like a comedy, and there's a lot of funny shit in it. I remember being on Comedy Central a lot. But again. Chevy Chase, I used to love him. Now you can't even fucking, you can't even really do that anymore. The guys are cunt. Man, just ask the cast of uh, what's that community? Yeah, I mean they don't. What's weird about that show is it seems like everybody really was like together except for Chevy Chase. Like you hear everybody else on the cast, and it's like, what was this guy doing all the time? Look, look at the distance that David Keshner has between like usually people are huddled around the host. And the the closing credits that that's usually kind of a tell all. Usually, uh, you know, when it's like this, you you see certain motherfuckers kind of like, yeah, you know what? Uh, fuck this motherfucker. Yeah. Um. I mean, hey, he he did some good shit. Suck. That's, this is what sucks about again. What gets about getting old is these people that you used to love. It's like you get now, and you know all this shit about them. It's like, oh, okay, I guess I don't like you anymore. Let's burn uh, all that. Good- Besides that piece of shit hosting, some good things about this episode. Uh, uh, Sherry O'Terry is in this skit where she plays a young boy and she's heartbroken to part with uh, her with his beloved face sucking eels. Uh, they're lampreys. And damn. I don't remember that. Oh, my so God. It, like, oh, my it, God. It, <laughs> And it's Sherry O'Terry playing a little boy. So that already is hilarious. She, she looks like, like Chucky. Exactly. And, and she's just got these face sucking eels attached to her. And like, that's her thing. So fucking weird. This is like some Conan O'Brien shit, dude. Like, this is some weird level writing right here. This totally is why bad. I love this cast because this is when it real, they would do weird fucking shit like this. That this. Even those like, remember that skit Will Ferrell did with uh, Rachel Dratch where they, the Wilshley Arms Lava, those yeah, like, the yeah. it was like, how would you ever conceive of that? You know, like, I, if it seems like such a weird concept, but I mean, this, I got to go back and watch it now just for that screenshot. <laughs> Yeah, I, yeah, October 7, 95, man. This is season 21. And they also did an NFL skit that was fucking hilarious. David Keshner plays uh, Mike Dicka, uh, as you can see. And uh, yeah, man, I, I didn't real. It took me a while to realize, like, who the, which one? It doesn't look like any of them, but like, they did some really heavy makeup. On yeah, that, that's man. like that Dick Tracy, Mike Dicka, you know? It looks very weird, but that's that's weird that that's David Keckner. <laughs> Keckner, yeah. And uh, Tim Meadows does OJ doing some sideline reporting and hilarity would ensue. <laughs> Isn't this the uh, one where he's like, he does the, uh, like the screen the with plays. the plays and he's like, I killed her yeah. or whatever? I, I did it, yeah. And uh, Will Ferrell plays uh, Merv Levy, the, the coach of the, the Bills at the time. Uh, just... Yeah, I do remember that. Hell yeah. Oh. But yeah, man. 
On that same day in 1995, the Mariners rallied from an epic five-zip deficit to force game five of the division series versus the Yankees. And uh, this has been retold in different ways. Several videos on YouTube about this this comeback. Uh, They would beat the Yankees. However, they would lose to my tribe and my tribe would end up losing to the Braves in that year's World Series. Uh. Dude, the Braves were just crushing yours and my baseball dreams for a clean decade. Barry Bonds didn't get a, anything with the Pittsburgh Pirates specifically because of the Braves. Yeah, man. And Jim Leland would get success later in Florida. <laughs> An- another team that beat my tribe. God damn it. <laughs> Now, in 1996, on October 7th, News Corporation gets into cable news fray with the debut of Fox News Channel and hilarity and uh, laughter and fucking the anger. Fall of society. The fall of society would ensue. Uh, Hannity and Combs, Fox News Now, The Old Riley Factor, and Your World with Neil Cavuto uh, would all debut on this day. I mean, what can we say that hasn't already been said about the giant hunk of shit of a TV channel? <laughs> Roger, Roger Ailes or some shit like that, and uh, good old Rupert, Rupert from from England. Fucking Rupert Murdoch. Like a- Rupert Murdoch sounds like an English gangster. That doesn't sound like somebody that should own anything related to news at all. So. Fuck Fox News. I wonder if it is funny to like. I remember getting like taking mushrooms and watching it, and just like having a mind like just enjoying that. That's about the only enjoyment I ever got out of Fox News. I wonder if Mr. Burns was based off of Rupert Murdoch. Look at that motherfucker. For sure, he looks like a thumb with glasses. He does this a lot. Yeah. But on that same day in 96, Arthur debuts on PBS, and it would spawn so many memes later in life. I never watched this show. My wife watched this show and, like, questions why I didn't, but I this didn't move the needle for me at all. Uh, Age deferential. Yeah, it just looks like, like, what is he? he He's an aardvark. Oh, okay. Wow. Yeah. I, I do remember watching the uh, or reading the books because Arthur was around for, for decades way before the show. And I remember it being like a series. There's it's kind of like the little creatures, I think, or the little monster uh, series. I don't know if you're familiar with that, but uh, it would be Arthur in school, Arthur in church, Arthur in. Yeah. And this was more like remember Babar. Babar, another one. Yeah. That to me was my Arthur. I that was like the learning show that wasn't Sesame Street. I watched so I don't know. Shout out to Arthur. Yeah, I didn't even know you were an Ardvar. I thought he was a mouse with glasses this whole time. So you just educated me. Thank you. No, well, you're welcome. Appreciate yeah, it. And on that on that same day, Hey Arnold debuts on Nickelodeon, and I watched some of this. Um, I was, uh, we were freshmen in high school at this point, or on our way to be freshmen. Uh, actually, we were in eighth grade. This is 96. Um, so, yeah, man, I I think this, I was like one foot in, one foot out. Me too. I remember watching this, and it was one of those shows where if it was on, like, I, would, I wouldn't, like, turn it off sometimes. And I will say, I think they released a movie of this recently that I watched. And it actually is pretty good, like, you know, for a kid's show. So 
but I'm like you. This is when I was really like taking my foot off the gas of cartoons a lot. And I was still watching Nickelodeon. Like I think this was like close to snickish um that yeah. time, but you know, I'm like I'm like you. Other than remembering his head was shaped weird and stuff. Didn't really this was Matt was too old for this. I was trying to see titties now. In, uh, in 97, on October 7th, Janet Jackson releases the album The Velvet Rope. It's 75 minutes and 23 seconds. Uh, upon appear experiencing an emotional breakdown, Jackson began facing a long-term case of depression. She in turn developed her new record as a concept album using introspection as its theme. Its title is a metaphor for emotional boundaries, as well as an allusion to an individual's need to feel special. Its lyrics address subject matter such as depression, self-worth, social networking, and domestic violence. It also encompasses themes of sexuality, including BDSM, sexual orientation, and same-sex relationships. Due to sexually explicit content, the album reinforced Jackson's public image as a sex symbol and one of the most erotic vocalists of the 90s. Its incorporation of social issues regarding sexual orientation and com combating homophobia also established her reputation as a gay icon and received the Glad Media Award for Outstanding Music. Well, congratulations on the most detailed explanation of an album of all time, Steve. That was incredible. Yeah, um, man, I'm I, I that's what I sort of apply to Janet Jackson from our perspective like to me that's what she always was was like this sex symbol pop artist I like a lot of Janet Jackson shit um, yeah. I can't name like specific songs necessarily but she always had bangers she was always hot as fuck um, that, that the poster with the hands on the tits oh yeah everybody wanted to be those hands and uh, she kept doing it. I mean, she's sort of reached diva level now where, you know, you don't see her a lot, but like even like the Super Bowl thing when we were in college and Justin Timberlake taking the tit out. I mean, she was just one of the baddest bitches of all time. One of the baddies. The, uh, and the, the, the video with Busta Rhymes, that song with like the liquid, like the CG video and shit. Yeah. Gonna make, gonna make, gonna make him fun. That song. The video for that was bustable, almost. And uh, this was a certified triple platinum album. Uh, an estimated 8 million copies sold wide, worldwide uh, of the six singles released from the project, Got Till It's Gone, won the 1998 Grammy Award for Best Music Video. Uh, and together again became an international number one hit. But the one that I remember was, I get so lonely, can't let just anybody. Help. <laughs> no, want no one but you. Okay. Steve, so, I, there's some probably some wet panties on the listening to this right now. Listen to you belt out this Janet Jackson. Gonna break it down, break it down. But shut up. I mean, to who's Janet. hotter than Janet Jackson, Steve? And she avoided the crazy. And I know she is probably, you know, there's issues, but like as far as the Jackson family crazy, I feel like maybe she she avoided it for the most part. For the most part. part. Yeah. And and she doesn't get enough credit as far as being another child actor who kind of like made it out and like not been strung out. Um, you know, we never mentioned her. Uh so yeah, man, shout out to her. But in 1998, Matthew Shepard, a gay student at the University of Wyoming, is found tied to a fence after being savagely beaten by two young adults in Laramie, Wyoming. He would die five years later. 
Did you say five years? Or five days later. I, so yeah, getting ahead of myself. But uh, yeah, I remember was, this. This was a wild story. This was fucking tragic. Yeah, man. And this was big. And this, it's wild that like, this sounds like a crime that is like civil rights era, like, you know, old, like 60s type shit. This happened way in the 90s. He just fucking yeah. did this shit, which is just wild. But this started a lot of change, but this was huge news. Like this was a big fucking deal. And the guys got he, he, caught, right? Did they catch the people? Oh yeah, they were arrested and initially charged with attempted murder, kidnapping and aggravated robbery. Um, and they were eligible for the death penalty. Uh, they in order to avoid, <laughs> Yeah, uh, they avoided it because he agreed to testify against uh, one uh, agreed to testify against the other. Uh, so they were sentenced to two consecutive life terms. Ah, fuck them. They're going to hate, they, they, they gay bashed and hopefully they're getting bashed by some dick in jail for the rest of their lives. So ultimate irony there. They're probably taking some heavy dick shots. So, man, uh, poetic justice, <laughs> bringing it back to Miss Jackson. Yeah. Uh, Karma's a bitch. Now, uh, now, any call-outs, honorable mentions, takeaways, Matthew? <clears throat> I do have a call-out, Steve. I'm calling out an episode of uh, Frasier we didn't talk about today. We've talked Frasier pretty recently. Uh, but this episode happened uh, came out on October 7th, 1993. It's called I Hate Frasier Crane. And I'm calling it out just because it's a great episode of the show. It's still in the first season. Um, this one specifically, uh, the story is basically, you know, he's on the radio. Uh, he reads like a column somebody wrote that's a review of his radio show uh, by this guy named Derek Mann. And the guy's just flaming him, saying he's a hot mess, he sucks, the show sucks. So Fraser Crane starts berating him. And then Derek Mann calls in. And Derek Mann is actually voiced by a very famous 90s actor named Joe Montaigne. Um, he was like the go-to mobster. He was in fucking Bronx Tale. He's in a bunch of shit. He's in Thinner. Um, but Joe Montaigne, you only hear his voice. He's one of like those special guest callers that was like a celebrity. And in this episode, Frazier agrees to do a fist fight uh, with this character in front of Cafe Nervosa the next day. Um, and, you know, through the course of the episode, he admits to his father he was never going to fight the guy, you know, and his dad's pissed because his dad's old school like Martin Crane should be. And is like, you're a pussy. You're not going to fight this guy. This is just like when you were a kid. And he get he tricks Frazier into like agreeing to fight this dude and then stops it. He's a cop. So he calls in his cop buddies to break it up right before they actually fight. Uh, but wow. it's fucking funny as shit. It's a one of the, it's like a classic season one episode. And I just wanted to call it out because it not only is hilarious, but it does feature another 90s legend, Joe Montaigne, uh, who I love and uh, who's one of America's greatest mob actors of all time. So. And one of the greatest quarterbacks ever. Yeah, Joe Montana. Also, uh, Joe Montana was in the funny, that movie Thinner I mentioned. If you want a funny 90s horror movie, watch that because it's fucking hilarious. Thinner. Now, my, my only call out is in 1993 in Living Colors airing the episode 105. And uh, our good buddy, not really, uh, David Edwards from The Real World, he, he would transition from that reality show on MTV that same year 
into going to one of the greatest sketch comedy shows of all time. And he makes his debut in the Truth Williams skit. Yeah. He did it, Steve. For a, a moment. A little bit. He did it. But that was, I mean, fucking just, I'm blown away that we got an episode of Doogie Howser that he's literally just gatted out, Steve. I want to, I want to like a new episode of this where we go, we revisit this and it's just him just straight laying waste to the, he's like a vigilante killer in whatever town this is in. I'm taking, I'm taking uh, out the trash. Uh, first, the first MacGyver's in the hood, now Doogie's in the hood, everyone's in the hood. <laughs> What kind of? And also on that same day in 1993, uh, Power Rangers are airing the episode Green with Evil Part Three: The Rescue, and Tommy is finally here. Uh, this is a actual five-part series, five-part mini episode of an episode, and uh, on this day, October 7, 93, they're airing Green with Evil Part Three. Um, you know, this was an important time I feel for Power Rangers fans because it introduces us to the Green Ranger. Yeah, this is the greatest storyline, the greatest character. And honestly, as far as that franchise goes, that guy, what's his name? Jason something. I forget his name. Yeah. Uh, the Green Ranger, he was like a, a legacy character. He was in this. He became the White Ranger. He was in other subsequent iterations of Power Rangers, of which there's been dozens. There's like Power Rangers Turbo, Ninja, fucking... You know, scat. Who knows? <laughs> That's Zordon. <laughs> yeah. But he was like this. So that was like a momentous time for this franchise because they got this actor and they just like, I feel like the Green Ranger saga is probably what they call this. For America sort of catapulted that show into a next level of success because everyone loved the Green Ranger. Yeah, you man. know that's kind of I mean, when I really bought into that show. Universally, he'd probably be a lot of people's favorite. Um, I mean, a lot of women they would prefer Trini more so than Kim uh, because they didn't like that stereotype. Oh, she's the pink one. Oh, yeah, she's. But uh, yeah, man. Uh, as usual, check out our sister shows, Crush Gasm Kendra, every Wednesday and Over the Culture with Steve G every Sunday. Please like, share, comment, subscribe, all of that good shit, and tell us where your aunts live. This is Steve G and Mad G with Happen, Happen in the, in the 90s. 90s. Ah.